You're listening to the Gateway Christian Church Beckley Campus Podcast. To find out more about the church, visit our website at gatewaychurch.net. Let's get into this week's message. If you're new here with us this morning, I welcome you. Uh, I ask you to please come back because I am usually not the speaker. Uh, Russ couldn't be here with us today, so when you're the youth pastor, it kind of falls back onto my lap. Um, But it's an honor and it's a privilege to present you with the Word of God this morning. Uh, We welcome you. We're glad that you're here. We have been talking in a series about who is this man. We have that's been our messages for the last few weeks, and as Christians, we need to be able to give an answer for who is this man. Uh, we've been looking at Jesus from different perspectives, from the different gospels. We've seen him as a friend of sinners. We've seen him as a compassionate healer. We saw him as our suffering Savior. We saw him on Easter Sunday as our risen Lord, who deserves our full attention and devotion. Last week, we saw him as our coming King, coming from above, coming in power and in truth. Today, we're going to wrap up our series with one more perspective, Jesus as our final judge. We believe that not only will our king return, but he will return to judge the world. The entire New Testament points to the pit, to this picture of Jesus. All the disciples believed it. Peter said in Acts 10, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. That's Acts chapter 10, verse 42. Paul preached in Acts 17, for God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. That's Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Last week, we heard from John when he had an incredible vision of the return of Christ. In Revelations 19 and in verse 11, it says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. So Jesus will come and show great force. And then what we call judgment day will happen. Have you ever wondered what judgment day will be like? Have you ever thought about what it's going to be like to stand before Almighty God and give account to your life? Will all your inner thoughts and our secret acts be revealed? What will heaven be like? Will there be some there 
that has more significant status than others? What about hell? Will God really punish people for eternity for their sins? Will a good moral person who just never accepted Christ be punished the same as a mass murderer or an evil ruler? When it comes to Judgment Day, there's lots of questions. TV shows and movies have speculated what heaven and hell will be like. But do we really want to trust a TV show or a movie? Or should we trust the Bible? Of course, as Christians, we should always go to the Bible to see what it says. Since we've been in the Gospels for the entire series, we're going to stay there for our main text today. And let's take a look at Luke chapter 12, verses 42 through 48. Jesus had warned his disciples to always be ready for his return because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. The Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked if he was talking to just them or was he talking to everyone. The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for this, that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming, and he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat, drink, and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Remember last week we talked about Jesus will return like a thief in the night, unannounced, unexpectedly. This is why we should always be ready, because judgment day is coming. The world will not be ready because the world doesn't believe it. But you and I, we must be ready. In this parable, Jesus is identifying himself as the final judge. He is the Son of Man. He is the coming king. And he will return as the final judge. How do we know that? I just read it to you. It's in the Bible. It's God's word. And God's word does not lie. Now listen closely to the next part of Jesus said. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants 
will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Unrepentant sin, deliberate sin, sin of ignorance, sin of commission, sins of omission, all will fall under the righteous judgment of God. When that day comes, I want you to know what will be important and what will not be important. When we see Jesus as our final judge, what we do will matter. Our deeds will matter. Why will our deeds matter? Because I believe the Bible teaches that there will be degrees of rewards and degrees of punishment. And I know some don't agree with this view, but I think the Bible talks too much about it for us not to believe it and for it not to be true. For instance, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, where the Apostle Paul wrote, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Why would there be any reason to be judged for the things that are done while in the body unless it mattered. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying we can earn our salvation by what we do, but it does appear that we're going to be rewarded or punished according to our deeds. Let me say that again this way. We are saved by grace through faith alone, Salvation is a gift from God, but we are rewarded or punished if we're not saved by our works. And God sees all of our works. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. There's no secrets. Not only does God know what the things that we do, he also knows our thoughts. But it's not just our works and our thoughts that he knows. He also hears our words. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, Jesus said, I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word 
they have spoken. He knows our works. He knows our thoughts. And he knows our words. Nothing is hidden from God. In the parable, Jesus says it's a good thing for the servant to be doing exactly what the master let him do when the master returns. He will be rewarded accordingly. But if that servant decided not to do what the master what the master expected him to do when he returns, the servant will be severely punished because he knew what the master expected, but he still didn't do it. And if there's another servant in the household who did not know what the master expected, he will be punished with a lighter sentence if he did the things that deserve punishment. This indicates that they are different levels, degrees of punishment. Likewise, I believe they are degrees of reward according to what we have done. Old-timers used to say that we're not working for our salvation, but we're working for another jewel or a star to put in our crown. I don't know about that, but I do believe your good deeds won't go unnoticed. And if you're not a believer, neither will your bad ones. Look further with me at John's vision of the final judgment. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heaven fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead. They were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. There's at least three books mentioned in this passage. Verse 12 uses the plural word for books. So we know that means there's at least two books. And then another book that was open is described as the book of life. So what are the first two books? I think it's easy to know. It says the dead will be judged according to what they have done as recorded in the books. 
So that means at least one of them is a book of deeds. Everything you've ever consciously done has been written down in that book. It's the book of all we have done in our lives. If what we have done doesn't matter, then God wouldn't have wasted his time writing it down in this book. What's the other book? I think it's the Bible, God's Word. The Bible is what he has given us to live our lives by. That's the other book. The psalmist said in chapter 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp of my feet and a light on my path. And then he tells us there's the book of life, which contains every name, which contains the names of every living person unless and until the name has been blotted out of the book. Psalm 69, 28 says, May they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. On the contrary, in Revelations 3, 5, we read that the one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life but we'll acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. So if you're alive, your name is in that book of life. The key is to keep it there. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Now, you may be a little worried about this book of deeds. Maybe there's some things you've done in your past that you're not too proud of. Maybe some things last night that you're not too proud of. Is God going to expose your past sinful behaviors to everyone on Judgment Day? Maybe, if you're not a believer, he will. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says, Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time, Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So on Judgment Day, what you have done will matter. It will impact the degree of your reward or it will impact the degree of your punishment. But let me tell you what will not matter. When we see Jesus as our final judge, what we have repented of, what we have turned back from, what we have asked forgiveness for will not matter. Let me qualify this to be clear. If you are a Christian who has repented of your sins, your bad deeds will not matter. 
Why? Because the book has been wiped clean. The bad deeds formerly listed by your name are gone. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. All your bad tweets, your bad posts, your bad words, your bad deeds, all records of sinful behavior have been deleted permanently, never to be seen again by the amazing grace of God. Jesus will see us as his bride without a spot or blemish. No faults will be brought to light. How can this be? Well, let's think of it like a high school graduation day. Some students graduate with high honors. They wear special stoles, cords, and pins and are recognized for their accomplishments. And other students just get a diploma. The assistant principal reads, Ian Krause, member of the National Honor Society, president of the Literary Club, three-year letterman of the baseball team, recipient of the Brown Noser Award, headed to the West Virginia University on a $10,000 National Merit Scholarship. <coughs> Ian's family beams. His mother screams out, we love you, Ian. His father has tears in his eyes. He's so proud. Ian excelled. He didn't just graduate. He graduated with honors. And then the assistant principal reads the next name, Eli Jordan. There's an awkward silence. And then Eli's dad yells out, yeah, that's my boy. And Eli walks across the stage and receives his diploma. There's no honors associated with his name, but people applaud politely, and Eli's happy just to get that rolled-up piece of paper. It's like the guy who said, my sister graduated with summa cum laude, my brother graduated with magna cum laude, and I graduated, thank the Lord. <laughs> Ian got his diploma and recognition for all his rewards. Eli got his diploma. Both of them graduated. Neither one of them had their failures pointed out. The assistant principal could said, Eli Jordan. Eli was kicked out of study hall three times for blowing spitwads. He was cut from the baseball team because he couldn't catch a fly ball. He barely passed algebra and wouldn't, and wouldn't have had it not been for his girlfriend. But here's your diploma. No, their failures are not noted. That don't matter anymore. The goal was achieved. 
I think this is what judgment day will be like for Christians. Some of us will be highly acclaimed like the apostles, Peter, James, John, Paul, missionaries, courageous believers, faithful preachers of the word. And then there will be some that just make it by the skin of their teeth. But they're all will be there celebrating because they're all there. Is this what the Bible teaches? I think so. I think this is what the Apostle Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, these are things that will last. Wood, hay, or straw, these are things that will not last. Their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to the light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Doesn't that sound like degrees of reward to you? You see, God will judge each one fairly, but he will not reward each one equally. I think if someone lives like a heathen most of their life and they accept Christ before he dies, he'll be saved. But I don't think he'll be rewarded like someone such as the Apostle Paul. The parable in Matthew chapter 20 about all the workers receiving the same pay regardless of when they started I believe, refers to the fact that they all get a diploma. They all receive the baseline reward, a simple day's wages. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, Jesus told those who would be persecuted to rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And the, reward, the rewards will be far beyond what we deserve. God rewards lavishly. He rewards even a cup of cold water given in his name. Citizens of heaven will spend eternity in awe of his generosity and love. That leads me to say one last thing about what will matter when he comes. And in my opinion, this is the most important. 
Who you trust for your salvation will matter. Understand, there's only two ways you can die in this life. You can die in your sin, or you can die in Christ. If you die in your sin, you will spend eternity separated from God in hell. And that's not a happy place. If you die in Christ, you will spend eternity with him in heaven, a place of endless joy, no pain, peace, happiness, love. It's that simple. If you want to keep your name written in that book of life, then you believe that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. And when you do that, you're going to be sealed with a spirit. And those good deeds no longer become chores. They become things that you want to do out of love for Christ, for the love that he's shown you. So as I recap, when Jesus returns, we will all stand before him as our final judge. He will look down to see if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That will be determined by who you trusted for your salvation. If your name is there, you'll walk across the stage of graduation into eternity waiting for you to be rewarded according to what you have done. If your name is not there, you will be separated from him for eternity in a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, in a lake of fire, in a lake of burning sulfur, punished according to your sinful behavior. So who is this man? He is Jesus. He is my personal Savior. He's a friend of sinners. He's a compassionate healer. He's our Savior who suffered. He's the risen Lord. He's the coming King of glory. And he is the final judge of all the living and the dead. He is our only hope for rescue. When the time comes, can you trust yourself and your own ideas to escape? Or can you put your faith and trust him for your salvation? I hope you will choose or you have chosen to trust him. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To find out more, visit us online at gatewaychurch.net. See you next week.